Welcome, Mistorians. Host Austin Heave She and host Brenda She Her have been waiting for you. Come along for Secret Histories of Nerd Mysteries. Yeah, okay, so at the beginning of Smallville, uh, Lex Luthor hits Clark with his car, and that's how they, they meet. But, like, he's like, I hit someone with my car, and I think it's Clark, but, like, if I hit anyone else with my car, they'd be dead. So why is it Clark dead? But he's also just like, I just like hanging out with Clark, kind of buddies, and he's like, my dad doesn't like Clark either, so I definitely like Clark. And it's like... That's weird. Well, it's weird, because, like, that's, like, I feel like this is the time... Uh... When the Spider-Man movies were doing that too, or it's like, here's the Osborns, but are they evil? You know? Yeah. That was and like a big like... trope where it's like, the bad guy's not bad, even though he should be. Yeah, and like when the series does get to the point where it's like, okay, Lex is the villain now, it loses like a lot of the depth that it had because like the whole thing is like the build up to like him being the person you think he's gonna be. And mm-hmm. then like once he's like, Okay, um, yeah, time to just just get rid of Clark. It's like, <laughs> Well, it's also so weird because, boring. like, the whole thing is, like, when the villain knows the hero identity, it's like, well, what are we doing here, you know? Yeah. It, yeah, because, like, Lex Luthor in normal continuity does not know that Clark Kent is Superman. He would love, l- listen, if he did, it's over. <laughs> yeah, it's he would just destroy him. <laughs> like, <laughs> Lex hey, Luthor is both incredibly obsessed with Superman and, like, really wants him dead. Yeah, like, it's not, like, Batman, it's not, like, Batman Joker obsessed, where Joker just clearly wants to rail Batman. Uh, yeah, definitely does. Uh, Lex Luthor's like, I will, I will kill every, I'll kill, I'll, he, Lex Luthor, like, if he found out where he lives, like, I'm just gonna blow up his city block. <laughs> he would blow up Ma and Pa Kent's house. He would do it. He's, a, like, he's not a good dude. He's a... It's like, Lex Luthor's whole thing is that, like, if he, if he gets rid of Superman, then he gets to be a good person. That's his reasoning behind it. Yeah. It's just like, once Superman's gone, then I can be good. And it's like, <laughs> I don't know about that, buddy. <laughs> yeah. I know there's like, it probably happens in the comics. There's like an animated movie, I think, where he is like Iron Man, Superman. Yeah. I'm trying to remember that one. That's. I know it happens. It, but Is that All-Star Superman? Maybe. Because he's like, I'll be the normal... Because Lex Luthor's whole thing is like, we shouldn't trust an alien. Which is, like, fair. Right? Like, that's... I mean, he's got somewhat of a point. It's like, <laughs> we put all our faith in, like, this person... This one person. Like, it's just not advisable. Like, our security rests in the hands of this one person. They're... And it's valid. <laughs> Batman feels the same way. Like, yeah. Batman's like, I have a trunk full of kryptonite and I will destroy you at any moment. So, yeah, be they're... ready. <laughs> like, they, they're like... The idea that a god baby falls from the sky and then the whole, the whole like, city he's in and the whole world is like, we will trust you to do everything. Like, blanket everything. Like, it's, that is Superman's role in that, like, universe is like, there's an issue, 
hopefully Superman can take care of it, you know? Um, yeah. Which is, one, that's a lot of stress for him. And two, that's, like, yeah, that is, like, all your eggs in a basket the size of one dude. <laughs> yeah, and it's, like, Clark Kent, as a person, can't handle that stress because he's, he's kind of a stressy guy. Like, yeah. when you see Superman, you see, like, Clark Kent is who Superman is. Mm-hmm. Superman's not, like, this, like, very, like, suave, put-together guy. Clark Kent is bumbling, nervous <laughs> country boy, you know? <laughs> like... There's, there's a uh, Superman short, I think, in the one in Action Comics 1000. I think that's where it is, where it's Superman mm-hmm. is... Has to decide between stopping, like, he... Because he's Superman, so he hears, like, someone getting mugged on, like, the subway that's about to get shot in the head. Or, like, a plane that's crashing? God. And he's, like, he knows he has to pick one of them, so he has to save, like, either a bunch of people or, like, the one person. And since he's Superman, somehow he knows, like, she's, like, a mom or something. Like, he, like, he, I don't know. He's, like, ah, the single mom. It's something like that. Yeah, um, where it's, it's, like, he can only do one thing at one time. And then I think he somehow saves both. Like, he catches the plane and lands it near the subway? Or something, which is, like, that's sweet. Whatever. Uh, I don't, like, maybe Superman talks to Lex Luthor's like, so, how could we get me a vacation? Because <laughs> <laughs> it just, it does, it does make some sense. Uh, Batman vs. Superman did a very bad job, but both Batman and Lex Luthor, like, on paper, have a point. Yeah, they're both right, mostly. Lex <laughs> is just doing it completely wrong. Yeah. Well, that was our cold open. <laughs> hey, everybody. How's it going? Hey, everybody. This episode's not about Superman. <laughs> no. Not even a little bit. I do. I have one other DC-related thing. Yeah. So, uh, you're all hearing this close to New Year's, if we counted right? Um, yeah, if our math was correct and all of our calculations <laughs> added up, this should be around New Year's. This should be, like, December 30th. So, almost Happy New Year. Um, if you are on eastern standard time in the united states otherwise maybe already happy new year eastern standard time is the only time that i acknowledge (laughs) 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 i don't know why that's so funny i thought about me moving to like the west coast or something being like oh it's only like 6 a.m brendan be like austin it's time to report the cup podcast I'm still on Eastern Standard Time, and we, and it's the only time that matters. Don't even get me started on Central. Yeah, what the hell? <laughs> um, but for us here in this timeline, uh, what just released as of this recording is the other history of the DC Universe. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we've talked about it on the show at least once. But I, I have so. been waiting for this book. So long, at one point, Brenda was still in Grand Rapids. <laughs> yeah. It, what's it been, like, three years? Three years. <laughs> because when I was still in Grand Rapids, it had already reached a point where, like, is this is this happening? Yeah, it's... Like, five Joker books were out, and it's like... Jesus. Hmm. <laughs> I think Batman's been under two different writers since they've announced this book. Yeah. Uh, it was, like, the, the tail end of, like... Uh, oh, God. No, then it's three. <gasps> Shit. Because <laughs> it's, yeah, 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 yeah. It's been three, we've had three different Batman writers before we got this book. Oh, good lord. Uh, it, It's a comic. It got announced in, like, late 2017 to come out in the winter. And then me, Brenda, and other various comic people were like, 
okay, so like this went like we're in winter. <laughs> yeah, it's like where where is it? Because uh, they hyped it up a lot. It was a big deal. It was a huge. It was a huge deal, and then yeah. um, and then it went away, and then I think it came back, and then it was gone, like indefinitely. They didn't tell anyone anything. Like it, it got like pushed back to like late 2018. And then when it was, like, the middle of 2018, I remember getting told, like, it just didn't exist in the order. Like, it, you just couldn't order it. They were just like, we're not doing it. And that yeah. they didn't tell anyone anything. This book got to the point where, like, it was in the previous catalog, which is where, like, comic books order books from. It was, mm-hmm. like, available to order. It was on order. It had a date. And then it just didn't come out. And then they pushed it back and pushed it back and pushed it back. And then it was just poof, yeah. not in the catalog anymore at all. And then it magically returned. In 2020, the, in- <laughs> the best year to return. <laughs> yeah. it magically when the re- whole direct market is exploding. Yeah, it magically returned with no, like, so it's getting a bunch of fanfare right now. Like, I went to go look up when it originally got announced, and I had to dig into um, the podcast I heard about it on, because, like, DC wasn't even reporting about when they originally announced it. They were telling people they announced it in 2019. I'm like, you liar. <laughs> You lawyers! <laughs> I know, I know you're lying. <laughs> I have proof. <laughs> I so anyway, it's finally out. So this book, so there is another DC book called The History of the DC Universe that happened after Crisis on something. I don't know which Crisis. One of the Crisis. Infinite. One Earth? of the Crisis sees. I was it. That's it's one. Of, there's so many crises. Crisis on Infinite Earths. Crisis on Two Earths. Crisis. Final Crisis. Dude, f- 52 Crisis. It's crises. My favorite Baskin-Robbins flavor. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so there is a different one, and it was... It happened to, like... It was, like, retelling the history of DC, because whenever they do a Crisis thing, it's, like, a reboot. So they're like, here is the real history, now. Um, and it was very white-centric. I haven't read it. I've, like, looked through like scans of it but i have not bought a copy to read um and so this one the other history of dc universe is following moments through dc time through black heroes uh Mm -hmm. and it's really good the first issue is follows black lightning from like the it's like the dawn of superheroes like you meet like superman is like just here through like the formation of the justice league Mm -hmm. um and it's really good. It sets... So DC, everyone, usually takes place in fake Earth. Earth. Yeah. It's it's like it's like decidedly not real. Like, it's like DC's always been set in, like, a fantasy world. And Marvel's whole thing was, like, the world outside your window because it was, like, real places. Yeah. Except in, in Africa. They can't be real in Africa, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Zing! Uh, <laughs> everywhere else is real, but we can't go to real places in Africa. Um, we had to make one up, I guess. No, I gotta, even listen, there's like a Spider-Man issue when Peter Parker is like rich for that little bit. Mm, um, yeah, and his foundation is like in Africa, and they're in like a fake place. Another fake African yeah. place. They're like doing relief work, and it's still a fake place. I'm like, there are real places. Okay, whatever. <laughs> Yeah, it's like every... No, this is valid. Like, every other place in, like, the Marvel universe is, like, a real location. Like, Mm -hmm. Peter Parker lives in New York. Miss Marvel lives in New Jersey. Yeah. Uh, Great Lakes Avengers. They exist. I mean... They are there. Down to, like, 
there's West Coast Adventures, and I know down to, like, at least when they're in New York settings, like, because Marvel has teams in New York, they'll, like, go look at, like, the area of New York they're gonna be in, and, like, they won't draw, it's not photorealistic, but it'll be like, oh, like, I've talked to friends in New York who are like, oh, yeah, I know where that park is. Yeah. So, anyway. (laughs) (laughs) The other history of the DC universe is very good. It sets it in, like, it's, like, real slash fake because there's still Metropolis and other places, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. But real events that happened in the world happen in this book and Black Lightning, like, telling you this story, like, through this part of, like, what the dawn of heroes in DC is, like, the 50s or whatever. Um, From, like, the 50s to the 80s about, like, you know, the uh, Iranian-American hostage crisis or the post-war issues or Vietnam and talking about, like, how these heroes aren't doing, like, these white heroes aren't doing shit to help people. Like, if it, yeah. like, he's like, you know, if it's not a world-eating monster, they seem to not care. Uh, and I think it's so interesting because, like, when DC was making these characters, like, that was, like, DC was, like, big stuff. Like, Batman was interesting because he dealt with, like, street-level stuff, but, like, the Justice League dealt with, like, big stuff. That's what they did. Yeah. Big sci-fi, like, events and, like, catastrophes and, like, really, like, over-the-top fantasy-type mm-hmm. elements. Um Whereas, like, Marvel characters have been, not not all of the stuff, there's definitely, like, the fantastic, like, the big universe stuff in Marvel. But, like, yeah. Marvel has always kind of incorporated actual real events, like, up from, like, the inception of um, Captain America fighting actual literal Nazis. Literally Nazis. <laughs> Literally just, it's not like, um, you know, like how uh, DC has that analog for the KKK. Um, oh, Yeah. Uh, which uh please read superman versus the clan it's really oh god it's, please it's, it's, oh god it's so good it's so good it's like it's a not to get on a tangent it's a middle middle school ish grade book but like everyone can enjoy it it's incredibly right. well done what was i talking about? yeah it's like they, they don't have amp <laughs> marvel never like would just be like this is this is the vietnam war this yeah. is this real conflict um DC never did that, so it's very interesting to see, like, newer stuff incorporate real historical moments. Yeah, um, it's it's super good. It's on DC Black Label, which mm-hmm. at first I was worried about because I was worried they'd put it on DC Black Label and then Black Label wouldn't exist by now or something, you know? Um, yeah, that's what or, I thought they were going to do. Or that it was, like, so they didn't have to push the book as hard because it's not the main label. Um, mm-hmm. But they did a bunch of PR for it. Uh I have no idea how it's doing, how people feel about it. I really enjoyed it. Uh, it's like what a big. What you sent me was really powerful. Like the yeah, it's good. so and was... so. Everyone, um, there's this one part of the book where, because so Black Lightning is like n- decidedly not with all the white heroes, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's one part of the book where, and this is like from Black Lightning's like publication history, where they sent these like really over-the-top villains to his part of town but they were like mm-hmm. fake they were a test for him to see if he could join the justice league Oof. um and then from his perspective they have this like discussion about if they should let a black guy join essentially um yeah little known fact uh green arrow isn't is disgustingly racist <laughs> in his original concept yeah he was <laughs> so, um I, I don't think he is anymore, but he was, like, that was, like, his vice. Like, all heroes had, like, a vice, and his was being a <laughs> racist. Being racist. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, so they have this, like, 
discussion and Black Lightning's in the area there and he's talking about like after all that they do they like circle up and do like their white hand wringing over how they could have a black guy join even though they have two aliens on the team and one of them is green um (laughs) and they like ask him and he's like i he tells them to get another boy to dance for them and i'm like shit so anyway other history to dc universe does not pull any punches it's really good Mm -hmm. it is i have it here with me uh john ridley giuseppe uh ooh, that's a really italian last name uh yep it it starts with cam um i tried to look these names up and i could find none of them with pronunciation guides uh (laughs) andrea cucci and jose villa rubara oh really yeah nice and so that is the team on it um this was book one i don't know how many books it'll be uh i'm very interested to see the other heroes they pick because we met um in this book, we meet John Stewart, and then at the end, he brings up Cyborg. So I wonder if that's, like, the next two. Because it also moves in real time, and Cyborg's younger, you know? So, like, that would give yeah. them a lot of room to go from, like, the mid-80s kind of to now if they wanted to. Because Cyborg's, like, the youngest of DC's black heroes. And, again, uh, there's, like, four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's not. I'm, like, trying to think of, like, other characters that could be incorporated and it's looking real bad. <laughs> There's uh, John Stewart, Green Lantern, Cyborg, yeah. uh, Vixen. Vixen, yeah. Um, Her story te- needs some work. <laughs> yeah, technically, uh, Cheetah, right, from Wonder Woman, is black before she's Cheetah. Is that right? Sometimes. Well, yeah, sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. It's one of those ones where, like, yeah, maybe. Uh, there's... Uh. They could do Naomi for modern time. That's a character they I just made. Her. Yeah. Uh, they might. They might not just because she's so new. Right. I mean, it, I could, but it would. It could be interesting, would, right? Because she's like yeah. brand new. That could be their. If they're gonna do it through time, like she could be their modern one, like because she would grow up watching all these heroes now. Mm-hmm. Um. And oh, there's someone else. I was just thinking they could. They listen. I hope they do Nubia personally. Yes. It would be pretty. It would be pretty choice because she's gonna get a book probably close to when this book's gonna end. So yeah, that's a big editorial thing where they're like, we're gonna have this character in a book. Let's put her in a different book to generate hype. Which yeah, so I could see that it has its pros and cons in comics, but it happens a lot where you're like, I'm seeing this character a lot. Ah, there's their solo series. <laughs> <laughs> ah, I get it now. <laughs> Wow, Howard the Duck's been in, like, all these Avengers books. That's weird. Ah, he's in the movie? Ah. Oh, he's in the movie now. And now he has his own series. <laughs> oh, oh, there it which goes. Is, which is good. The Howard the Duck series by uh, Chip Zdarsky is really good. I mean, anything by Chip Zdarsky is really good. I know. I'm like, every time he comes out with a new book, I'm just, like, absolute mad lad. <laughs> Did it again. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's a good book. It's, like, big and oversized. It's, like, in between... It's like magazine format. Uh, it's like oversized magazine. Is that what it's called, Brenda? When it's like the big square? Yeah. So it's like you have to put it in like a magazine bag and board. Yeah. Because it's too big. And it, they usually have like little spines. So it's really easy to keep these books in very good shape because they have like tough spines. Yeah. Like, they're, they're hard to. It's tough spine, like real like cardboard, not paper for the cover. It has like a little, like on the back, like it's a book. It has like a. Like, it's, like, a prose book. It has, like, a little description thing on the back that's kind of cool. Yeah. 
they're really legit. Like, Black Label books look really, really cool. And I'm glad that they've managed to, like, keep that quality up this whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, they feel super legit when you get them. Uh, so it's cool that this this book did get that treatment. Yeah. Three years down the road. Three years later. So we'll see. I I enjoyed it. Um, uh, I'll probably... Contact your... Yeah, go ahead. I'll probably talk about it every time an issue comes out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, contact your local comic book shop. Uh, comic book sales are absolutely wild right now. Like, who knows what's happening. But I can't guarantee they'll still have it because it is, I feel like, a higher demand book. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, just, just politely tr- ask if you can order it. <laughs> just just try. Uh, yeah. It's also pretty hard for comic shops because DC is doing whatever the fuck it wants with distribu- distribution. Yeah. So. Some... <laughs> Some comic book shops aren't ordering DC books anymore. It's kind of valid. Yeah, it's it's wild. Uh, yeah. 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 Well, yeah. Really? Yeah. Really quick, I'm going to talk about uh, my good thing this Do week. Do it. Um, I finally finished all of the Conan movies. Oh my god. Now what? I don't... Uh, there's like a couple like OVA specials that I haven't seen mm-hmm. yet. And then I'm still reading through the manga, uh, even though my library closed. And like I had the next 10 volumes on order and they're just probably sitting there at the library inaccessible <laughs> to me reaching out so, brenda just like brenda <laughs> i gotta know what happens less than had a cliffhanger <laughs> uh so i i just watched the ninth most successful anime movie which was fist of the blue sapphire oh which it, it's the ninth what you know, before um yeah okay so before mugen train just went and Demon Slayer Mugen Train just barged through all of Japan's <laughs> records and worked its way up to number two on like it's like number three on the most successful anime like most successful movie in Japan of all time. Wow. And it's number two in most successful anime animated anime anime. Anime. Anime, anime hey. movie of all time. Anime. <laughs> it's anime. Um, most successful anime movie of all time, uh, right under Spirited Away. But like before it that happened, um, <laughs> <laughs> there were two Conan movies in the top ten. So there was um, 2019's Fist of the Blue Sapphire at mm-hmm. eight, and then there was 2018's uh, Zero the Enforcer at ten. Um, wow! And Fist of the Blue Sapphire is the um, highest grossing anime movie directed by a woman. So that's also you know what conan is like it's it feels like conan is some kind of like sleeper cell series because you don't hear about it i feel like you never hear about it really we never hear about it here but it is such a big deal in japan to like the point where like there's a little town Mm -hmm. where like there's all this conan stuff and there's like a little museum and there's a train and then there's like an airport and um, I was reading the manga uh, Skullface bookseller Honda-san. Yeah. Um, and there's, like, a part in there. It's, like, about, like, people who work at a bookstore. Mm-hmm. And there's a part where, like, the manager is just, like, talking to Honda. And it's just, like, if you ever let Conan run out, you'll be dead. <laughs> like- <laughs> it's just so... I think it just is so interesting because, like, the fact that, that for this, the market of anime and manga are two different markets between here and... Uh, Japan is wild because it's really yeah. it's really that like they are two completely different markets <clears throat> yeah because here we really like it's kind of diversified just a little and anime has definitely become like mainstream but it's all 
pretty much one genre of anime that has become popular in America. And it's literally just like Shonen action yeah. series. So Naruto, Dragon Ball Z, um, Demon My Slayer, Hero. My Hero. That's the one I was trying to think of. <laughs> um, you know, and like Inuyasha kind of like is on the line of like between Shoujo and a Shonen, but it was always mm-hmm. advertised more as like a action series as like a right. romance series so like all the ads were just like will inuyasha find kagome yeah. yes <laughs> um i think like the really the only major outlier is sailor moon is very popular but that's mm-hmm. really the only shoujo series that a little bit of card captors but like not too much like it's, yeah it's not as it's not and i feel not. like pokemon is seen as not a, it's like to the point where like pokemon isn't even seen as an anime yeah, it's like, and even then, it's still like that's still mostly an action-based series. Right. Like our other very popular anime series were uh, Yu-Gi-Oh and Digimon, and um, mm. like going on like what Fox Kids had. Like Fox Kids had like Metabots and Monster Rancher, and like um, we tried to make Yokai watch the thing, and it didn't work <laughs> over here. Um, <laughs> Disney is like, let's get this Pokemon money. We're gonna get Pokemon yeah. this monster Pokemon money. It's just like Pokemon. It's so big over there. People are gonna love it. Uh, I mean, even like the even like the art artistic like in quotes anime like the classic ones like Trigun, Cowboy Bebop, Outlaw Star, mm-hmm. the older yep. Gundams like Yu Hakusho, like they're all still action based even though like they had a lot of story to them they were still like an act like the plot was moved through action not through talking yeah um, and then like we have our adaptation of Conan which was Case Closed which was honestly adapted like a children's anime Mm -hmm. even though it's not for children um and it was on adult swim and it was supposedly geared towards adults the dub of conan was like they changed the dialogue to be like more comedic everyone had american names Mm -hmm. everyone had american (laughs) names (laughs) the violence was toned down it was really um localized like they were intending to be able to show this to a y7 audience Mm -hmm. But ultimately, that wasn't the audience it could be shown to. So I don't know if they just, like, gave up halfway through and decided just to put it on Adult Swim. Yeah. <laughs> it's absolutely baffling. I'm doing a video on it, which is why I know all of this. Um, but it's Conan is so big in Japan and continues to be so big in mm-hmm. Japan. If you look at the top ten, um, like, just, like, at the list of, like, high engrossing, highest grossing anime films, like, most of the ones in the top are... Um, uh, Miyazaki films mm-hmm. like all of those are like clustered towards the top and then there's like Mugen Train's up there now and then there's like a couple Conan movies and then it goes like a lot of other, the other Conan movies are like right under there so like right under the top 10 they're all kind of clustered there too um there's also I found a graph of like the <laughs> opening weekend for Avengers Endgame mm-hmm. and like it was like a graph of like the highest grossing uh, not a graph, but like a data sheet of yeah. the highest grossing movies around the world that weekend. Mm-hmm. And so like all these other countries are like end game, end game, end game, end game, end game. You get down to Japan and it's like Fist of the Blue Sapphire. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, I'm not going to miss this Kona movie. I'm not going to know shit when I get on the forums. Yeah. This movie also features Conan getting shoved into a suitcase and smuggled into Singapore. Amazing. That sounds absolutely incredible. It's so good. We were just losing our minds. It's, um, Conan doesn't have a passport because he's actually a 17-year-old teenager. (laughs) He can't. (laughs) He can't. So every time he has to leave the country, they have to, like, he he either get, there's, like, a temporary antidote he can take sometimes, and, um, 
or he has to get smuggled out. So like in the Lupin Conan crossover film, which does exist, it's real. Um, they like the Lupin gang has to smuggle him back into Japan. What's crazy, right, is like they could just as easily make a passport for him, but that's like too easy, right? That's what I say. <laughs> like he's a. They could just as easily make it. Like I, I can understand they're like he doesn't have a birth certificate, whatever. And I'm like, you made an antidote to him being boy. I think you could make a passport. <laughs> yeah, it's like I think I could like make. <laughs> Make some fake document. There's got to be someone, you know, who can make some fake documentation. The professor, maybe. I don't... Someone's got to be able to forge some documents. Right? Uh, well, even... Also, he's with the Lupin gang. I know one of them can forge some documents. One of those guys could make him some fake papers. <laughs> like... Help a dude out. That's like... Conan knows, like, Jody, who's in the FBI. Like, be like, Jody, I need a passport. <laughs> like... It's... It's it's just it's just like that's I could see them writing it and they get done and then someone's like, wait, why don't we just give him a passport and they just get out the fucking room, <laughs> <laughs> leave. <laughs> hey everyone, it's it's almost New Year's. Um, we're just having a good time today. Uh, we do have a topic, but I'm, we do. I understand it's and... been a bit. We listen. Hey, we love you. Thanks for sticking around. <laughs> We're half hour into this episode. Well, um, the turkey's gonna be done at one, so. <laughs> so, anyway, um, it's almost New Year's, and uh, we're talking about Twilight Zone because that's what you—that's what I watch anyway. Yeah. <laughs> it's all like there's there's I your switch. Been, <laughs> I have been known to dabble in the Twilight Zone. Um. So everyone, if you're a Twilight Zone fan, like a super fan, there is, I know there are so many things we could talk about. Trust me. I'm also a Twilight Zone fan. I spent the better part of 12 hours over the last few days trying to turn this into something. Um, I don't know. Here we go. (laughs) (laughs) There's so, there's just so much fucking shit, Brenda, about the Twilight Zone. And Austin, if you need to call a second part, uh, just let me know, because we can I definitely do that. I don't think, so here's what else, I don't think we'll call a second part. I think we'll probably return to the Twilight Zone, because mm. there's, there are, I'm mostly going to be talking about the 1959 TV series, because there is yes. a movie with a bunch of weird stuff. There is the 85 series, there's a 2002 series with Fortis Whitaker, who we talked about last week. Um, yeah. There's the current 2019 series that started with Jordan Peele, um... There's so much stuff. There's like we could do a thing on Rod's we could do a thing on so many things. So I'm mostly gonna talk about the fifty nine series and Rod Sterling. Um because there's just too much. <laughs> um so <laughs> And this is the one I'm most familiar with. Yeah. Well. So the original Twilight Zone series aired in aired on CBS in nineteen fifty nine. Um it had five seasons, it had one hundred and fifty six episodes. Uh its last season was nineteen sixty four. Uh, if you don't, if you've never seen the Twilight Zone, like if you just know of it enough to like get jokes and stuff, like that's fine. Uh, the Twilight Zone is an anthology series, which is like so each episode is like they're not connected at all. It's like different. Uh, what's it called? Vignettes, um, mm-hmm. mostly in half hour formats, except for season four, which was an hour long format, and then season five they went back to the half hour format. They were like, this is too much. Yeah, it was really long. Um, they all feature. It's usually about like. There's always, like, a twist or surprise ending and usually some sort of moral they're getting to. Uh, 
and typically it was either it's like the themes were like uh in terms of genre like sci-fi um paranormal stuff supernatural stuff psychological horror um so those sorts of things and so if those things are like and then like the psychological horror thing can be too much for some people so if it is too much for you i would not recommend twilight zone no and it's like that's the kind of horror i like more mm-hmm. um it's and twilight zone kind of set the bar for like how how it would be done for uh decades yeah to for come. forever for the forever, rest of time pretty much <laughs> um so, uh, Twilight Zone was created by Rod Sterling. Rod Sterling wrote two thirds of the all the scripts for the first series. Jeez. Uh, yeah he he wrote two thirds of the script. He narrated. He produced. He directed. Rod St- like you don't make TV like this anymore. No. <laughs> um, they just don't. They just don't. And part of what I was finding out is like, I think because Rod made TV like this, like they were like, we can't do this to people. Uh, yeah. Like he, he was by the end of the series, like absolutely burnt out. Uh, after season three, like between three seasons, like four and five, he was a producer, but he didn't really like, he like didn't do that job. He like didn't show up for those meetings. He was like, so burnt out. Um, he was just like completely drained. Um, uh, Rod Sterling was known as the angry young man of Hollywood, which is so it's weird, right? Because like we know him through Twilight Zone. Rod Sterling at the time was a yeah. very famous person. Um, Jeez. By the time he got to make Twilight Zone, like everybody wanted Rod Sterling on their on their network, like on their channel. Uh, mm-hmm. This is a time when channels and uh, we've talked. I don't think we've talked about this time period too much on TV. This time period in TV is a time when like channels and shows and everything was pretty much run by corporate sponsors um yeah and i say it it is a little different than now in that like corporations learn to not be so blatant that they were in charge of things (laughs) because they still they still are do not do not be confused but this was down to like uh rod sterling clashed with ford once because ford was like in charge of uh there was a script he was writing. Um, I lost it here in my notes, but there's a script he was writing and Ford was like the sponsor for it essentially. And so mm-hmm. in one of the reference shots, they had the Chrysler building and Ford wanted them to Oof. remove the Chrysler building from the shot. Like in 1950s TV, <laughs> Ford was like, we want you to take you... the Chrysler building out of that film. I... You can't. <laughs> what? Delete it. <laughs> Delete the Chrysler building. Hey, listen, they figured it out. They took it out of the shot. Oh my god. I have, I tried to figure, listen, I spent like way too long on that rabbit hole, everyone. Because I was like, how in the fuck, because they they shot on film. Yeah. This was not like, it wasn't videotape. They they weren't using um, more advanced technology that was available. They like like to shoot on film still for TV. Like, you can't, I don't know how you do that. I have no idea how you do, they did it. Jeez, did they like airbrush it by hand? See, like shot, like they had to, second right? By second, yeah. That's the only way. Oh my god! I'm like, they had to have airbrushed it out, but that's that's absolutely maddening. Um, anyway, <laughs> uh, so I want to talk about Rod Sterling a bit because Rod Sterling was a pretty neat dude. Um, he was at the time he was very progressive. Uh, 
he did a like he was in the war uh, like a lot of people in his time period and after that like a lot of people he was very anti-war um mm-hmm. including being outspoken during the vietnam war um he also was very outspoken about racial un- inequality uh he tried like three separate times to like get things on tv about racial inequality uh mm-hmm. and a lot of times got like beat up by censors like where they couldn't be like there's one he wanted to do um it was uh a town called a town has turned to dust which mm-hmm. originally was going to be about a young mexican boy getting lynched and the whole town was going to be to blame and during it there's like this drought that was going to keep getting worse as more lynchings happened as you, you get the metaphor um yeah but the network was not going to approve it because of the person being Mexican. So instead they were, um, it was like an unknown, never like shown foreigner in quotes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also a lot of other things were edited out that he wanted. Um, and then in 1972, he wrote a scram- a screenplay for The Man, which was a novel by, uh, e- wow, Iving? <laughs> Ivan Wallace, <laughs> just forgot how to say that name, <laughs> uh, where a black senator becomes president. Um, the person who plays the president and the black senator in that film is James Earl Jones. Really? Yeah, you guys know him. He's he's yeah. Mufasa and Darth Vader. <laughs> I was going to be like, he's in like that little known sci-fi movie. You know the one. You know. Um, so the original pitch Rod Sterling took to CBS was in 1958, and it was called uh, The Time Element, and that was his original pitch for The Twilight Zone. Um, it They didn't accept it, and they ended up using it. Uh, that script got found by a different CBS executive to use on a Lucille Ball show that was airing at the time, the Westinghouse Desi Lu Playhouse, in, in 1958. Um the story for that was, it's very Twilight Zone. It's uh, vi- a man has vivid nightmares of the attack on Pearl Harbor. Um, and he goes to a psychiatrist and he's telling psychiatrists he thinks the nightmares are real. And so in them, he's trying to like warn the people at Pearl Harbor that Pearl Harbor is about to happen. And the psychiatrist is like, you know, you're crazy and time travel is not real, blah, blah, blah. Uh, the yeah. plot twist that Rod is very famous for is at the end, you find out the psychiatrist is the person having the nightmares and the patient is someone who died at Pearl Harbor that the psychiatrist keeps dreaming about. Oh. Um, and it received so many positive views from people and critics and the world that CBS was like, we need Twilight Zone. We, yeah. we were wrong. They were like, oopsie. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then he goes on to make Twilight Zone. Uh, yeah, it's very interesting. So that, ep- that episode, the time element, um, the only place it didn't air after the first night it aired they did a few reruns of it but it never officially like aired again like syndicated where they ran reruns and took like ratings on it Mm -hmm. um the you can see it now in like a blu-ray re-release of the twilight zone it's like and there's a special feature because it's technically not the twilight zone but everyone sees it as the first twilight zone episode Mm -hmm. um excuse me uh but ended up being the first episode of the Twilight Zone is, um, where am I? I think that's the name. Where is everybody? Uh, which is one I feel like a lot of people have seen. It's the, there's a guy and he's like in, he wakes up in a small town. 
um, that looks like everyone just disappeared. Uh, yeah. And so the theme is like the idea of loneliness versus solitude, which is something Rod returns to a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but the guy is like running around and, you know, at the end, it turns out he is a test pilot that's training for the space program. And they were seeing how long someone could be alone because the trip to space at the time was like, I want to say like a week or two, like to the moon and back. Uh, So that ended up being the first episode of Twilight Zone. Um, The Twilight Zone did not have good ratings by all metrics that I could find. So these numbers, I could not find. Literally, I like dug deep. I like contacted my Twilight Zone network. (laughs) Um... (laughs) And it's like a big hunt of like, what were the Twilight Zone's ratings? Because there aren't, no one can find official documentation. It's all like word of mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, so CBS was hoping on a rating of 21 or 22. I don't know out of what. Um, on the Nielsen rating. Like, I don't know what the Nielsen was using at the time. I don't know if Nielsen was around. Yeah. Uh, but the, even by the third episode, it was already in jeopardy. Because it was only getting like a 16 out of something. Uh by all accounts, like, it was not getting good ratings. It was in... It aired at 10 o'clock at night. Um, oh. That is late for 1959. <laughs> yeah. People went to bed at a reasonable hour in the 50s. <laughs> like, it was not the 24-hour world we live in now. Like, it, that's late. That is, like, you stayed up to watch it. And that's why you stayed yeah. up. Um, so it wasn't getting good ratings. Uh, and it also wasn't... It was, like, critically acclaimed among a small group of people. Like, Twilight Zone was a very niche show. And that's why people think it got to hang around. It was, like, it aired late, it filled the time slot, and there were people who liked it. Uh, the show routinely yeah. went over budget. It routinely, uh, like, kind of pushed the boundaries on what the network wanted to have happen. Um, and it got canceled more than once, which is weird. Uh, yeah, that's wild. It got canceled the end of its third season it was canceled like they just put something else in the time slot and they didn't really tell anyone on like rod i was like the team rod (laughs) 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 there's like rod and one other producer like they didn't tell them so the producer got another job uh rod sterling went to go teach and that's kind of what they did (laughs) (laughs) um and then in, that was in 1962. And then in 63, they were bringing it back for season four. And so Rod came back and that's when he started to decrease his executive producer position because he was just like getting burnt out. He mentions like he was running out of ideas. He was working too much. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, he was like, these shows came out, these episodes came out weekly. Uh, he was writing the scripts. Again, for the most part, there are in season three, um, Oh, no, it was... Yeah, in season three, there's, like, four episodes he didn't write. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> so, yeah, he was just, like... He was kind of a workaholic. He was an avid smoker. Uh, this is... I'm still kind of on Rod. Um, he died pretty young. He was only 50. Wow. Um, he had three heart attacks pretty in close success. Like, he had a heart attack. Went to the hospital. He was fine. He had a second minor heart attack. They decided she'd open heart surgery. While they were doing surgery, he had a third heart attack. God, what? Um, And this is in the 70s, so open heart surgery was pretty risky. It's not as... Yeah. I mean, they're always scary. I don't want to belittle anyone's, like, 
health, but like they are more routine now. Like they know, like they know how to do them. It's more of like they can't promise you'll be fine, you know. But they're like they know, they're like we know what we're doing. Yeah, the odds are a lot higher that you will be okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, so he had a third heart attack and just did not recover. Um, Jeez. to kind of put it to scale, his wife died this year. Jeez. Um, she was stress is bad. Yeah, she was in her early 90s or late 80s um so like and that's just to put it to scale like he was that's very like i always think about it sometimes like these people who did these very creative things who kind of like revolutionized like how tv even works you know and Mm -hmm. just the idea of like if rod sterling didn't pass away then like what does it look like yeah to think about like what the landscape could be Mm -hmm. if you know he He'd been given the opportunity to maybe take care of himself a little bit. I mean, it could have yeah. been just, like, a heart defect, but, like, right. the stress of, like, working the job that he worked and, like, uh, doing everything that he did, like, it really takes a toll on right. you. And we see that pretty often, you know, like, um, with, like, people who have revolutionized something mm-hmm. that they've given their whole life to their art and they don't live very long. Yeah. Maybe we should take better care of artists. Yeah, maybe that we should, we should you know, bare minimum give them health care. Maybe. 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 <laughs> hey, give Brenda health care. Please. <laughs> I have things I wish to make. <laughs> um, but I mean, Twilight Zone, like, revolutionized TV, and that's all because of Rod Sterling. Um, but, so the, I think the biggest thing about Rod towards the end is, after season five was done, he eventually sold the rights of Twilight Zone to CBS. Um, mm-hmm. which is one of those things. It's like, he could not have known what it would become. He could not have understood syndication. Like syndication was, this is 1965. Like syndication is barely a thing. Yeah. He couldn't have known that like we would, they would show marathons for the twilight zone on 4th of July and new year's every year, like clockwork. Yeah. Or to this day, or like, oh, we got a slow week. Let's do Twilight Zone, like on Sci-Fi. Like they just, or the amount of reboots it would get, or movies, and like it's, it's one of those things. I'm like, I mean, he couldn't have known, but maybe CBS could have like cut his family a check every once in a while just to be nice. <laughs> yeah, like be like, oh, sorry. Uh, here you go. Here's some money. Here's your millions yeah. of dollars. Um, yeah, and not that, you know. You don't go, especially in the 50s, you don't go into, like, he started in, like, playwright working. Like, you don't go into that to make money. Like, he... No. He had, like, he had messages he wanted to get to the people. And he's like, I can do that through TV and through teleplays. Like, I can make this 30-minute episode that is about, like, we could become too reliant on technology and forget about each other. Um, Or this episode about, like... Because his two favorite episodes were The Invaders, which is from season two. Um, it's episode 15 of season two, and his other favorite episode is uh, Time Enough at Last, which is episode eight of season one. And Time Enough at Last is a pretty classic. It's the guy with wanting the rebooks. Oh, yes. That one's a classic. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's If you haven't seen Twilight Zone, that's the one where the guy's like, I can read all the books I want. And then his glasses break. And yeah. He's like, fuck. He's like a, so. he's a, he would be an incel today today yeah he like hates people he thinks everyone's an idiot uh he wants to be left alone forever and that he gets that um and so like he and the invaders is one about um you mean it's a mostly silent one like there's not a lot of dialogue and it's mostly one actor with puppets 
Um, mm-hmm. but she is like, she's like in her home or whatever. And then these like, uh, little like shadowy figures, like miniature puppet figures, like come in and, uh, they like land on a flying saucer and it's like a bunch of aliens invade. Um, and they attack her and they, they essentially, uh, are trying to capture her. Um, mm-hmm. and what you find out at the end is the invaders are the U S air force. Um, really? Yeah. They're the U S air force. I don't force. think I've seen this one. Uh, it's the U S air force trying to colonize a planet of giant humanoids. Oh my God. Uh, they would, they would. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And so it's, it's again about that idea. Like he, he had something to say about Americanism, <laughs> um, as a whole. And so I think like, that's a huge gift. The Twilight Zone is now very beloved. It's ranked on, any list you can find is like one of the best shows. A lot of episodes have won awards. Like, I don't know. I like, so there's a lot to talk about with Twilight Zone. And mm-hmm. what I mainly, everybody really wanted to do with Brenda here was just like, I don't know, like talk about Twilight Zone because it's, it's the end of the year. We've had a big year, Brenda. Yeah, we've had a big year. The world has had a big year. <laughs> um, <laughs> everyone's having big year. It feels like a Twilight Zone episode. <laughs> it really does. I, I've been at my parents' house for a year now. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, this today, yesterday would would have been the one year, one year since I left Grand Rapids. Wow. Uh, so, but it doesn't feel like any time has passed because time is so Twilight Zone esque. Mm-hmm. Um, very briefly, I would like to talk about the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror. <laughs> yes, please. I listen when I thought of Twilight Zone, I was like, Brenda's gonna know a lot of fucking shit about that ride. Yes. So I remember Twilight Zone Tower of Terror is an attraction at um, Walt Disney Hollywood Studios Mm -hmm. slash MGM Studios. Mm -hmm. There was previously one also located at Disney's California Adventure. That's now um, Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout. Mm -hmm. Uh, There still is one in... I know there's one at Tokyo Disneyland, but it's not a Twilight Zone affiliated ride. So it's like Tower of Terror and it has a completely different story to it. Mm -hmm don't think there's one in hong kong and i don't think there might be one in paris i'd know very little about the paris part because i don't care mm-hmm. <laughs> i also don't know too much about shanghai but i know there's one at um tokyo the the first one is at what was formerly known as mgm studios in orlando and i remember when that one opened and it was just like a new ride and i was like really want to go on it and i'm like five <laughs> <laughs> and one thing i absolutely hate is just falling. I hate free falling. I hate roller That's the whole that ride, Brenda. I know. So like, I'm five. I'm like, oh, I'd really like to go on the Tower of Terror. And this cast member slash Disney employee comes over to my mom. And is just like, there's an escape <laughs> elevator. <laughs> so we wait in the line. One Tower of Terror at MGM is just an absolutely gorgeous ride because it takes place in this spooky hotel. Mm-hmm. It's like this rundown, spooky, abandoned hotel. It looks so cool to be in there got like just an incredible atmosphere and they got a Rod Sterling impersonator to do the opening mm-hmm. bit so he does like a very classic narration for the ride to tell you like how the ride works and like all the safety features mm-hmm. just like from the original Twilight Zone oh, nice. and it's like uncanny nice it's so freaky um so they they do that whole spiel then you like kind of go up some stairs and you're like in like the um the engineering room like all the mechanics and everything and then there's just this 
you just go up to a cast member and you say, I would like to use the escape elevator. And they're like, all right, come here. And then you just get on a normal ass elevator and it takes you down to the gift shop. (laughs) (laughs) And let me tell you to this day, if like I was, when I would be like at Disney with friends and they'd be like, oh, I want to go on Tower of Terror. I'm like, yes, I'll wait in line with you. Mm -hmm. I'm going to get on the escape elevator. Yeah. (laughs) I (laughs) So I didn't know that that is what, so I've been there as well. Mm-hmm. And I did that whole experience, and then we rode the nor- the escape elevator, I assumed, down, and I had no idea that's what I did. Yeah. Like, I assumed, was... the person who, like, took us on it, like, also stayed in the bit. Yes! They don't stop the bit. It's so good. And so I like... thought that was the whole, I was like, oh, because I like, twi- yes. like, my mom knew I like Twilight Zone, so I was like, I thought that was the whole thing. Is like, I'm like, this is really cool. And I was, like, looking at stuff, and like, oh, remember this from the show, yeah. Mom? And then, that, and then we left. And I'm like, this is great. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you... You just—it was like a a walkthrough museum attraction where you could just see because there's props in there and like little homages to like different episodes of the show. It's absolutely cool to see, and I, you know, even as an adult who still won't ride that ride, I'll still wait in the line because I want to see it. Yeah, I like I knew I knew what the ride was. Like I know as an adult, and I knew mm-hmm. I didn't do the ride, but I knew I saw the stuff, and I'm like, maybe they had like a tour mode. <laughs> I'd like Weenie Hut Jr. version of this ride, please. Yeah, and it's it's so good. Yeah, so like little five year old me gets down the escape elevator, they keep doing the bit, and then I got a t shirt and I was like, Yep, I wrote it. <laughs> That's it. And I still have not actually ridden Tower of Terror because I absolutely and now it's even worse. Because like back then it was like one drop, that's it. Now it's randomized. Yeah, it's like drops and like catches you and it shakes and I'm like, hey, 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 hey. <laughs> yeah, it's like, hey, I don't like falling. Like, my whole body, my survival instinct says falling bad. <laughs> <laughs> Why did humans just figure out how to make rides and, like, let's, um, you know what we should do? We should make our bodies think we're going to die. Yeah, and so people are just like, yeah, you get some real, oh God, what do roller coaster enthusiasts call it? Like, Adrenal- blackout time? Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You get so- Where your body is yeah, so terrified, it just puts you to sleep. <laughs> down and i'm like what how is that fun that sounds my worst fear is waking up and not knowing where i am yeah like um and still being on a roller coaster (laughs) and it's still going (laughs) like um so the only roller coaster i like i like launch coasters because a launch coaster shoots you out instead of dropping you to gain speed so a lot of times they don't have the big drops they'll just have like um, favorite roller coaster is Revenge of the Mummy at Universal Studios in Orlando. Mm-hmm. That ride is so fucking good because it doesn't drop you long distances. Wow. <laughs> you do drop backwards once, but it's so good. I don't do rides. Um, uh, that's fair. That's valid. I have interesting stuff about Twilight Zone. Yes, uh, laid on me. So in season two, I mentioned they Twilight Zone. The reason Rod Sterling sold his shares to Twilight Zone is because mm-hmm. they... He was like, there's no way that I recoup the cost of going over budget every episode. <laughs> he was, he was. I just don't. He's like, there's no way. So he just sold his shares to like make cash. Uh, so in season two of the first series, um, against his wishes, the network decided they were going to shoot the episodes on videotape instead of film. Again, he really liked really? the, he's an artiste, everyone. And he's like, yeah. I need film. Like that's going to give, like, that's why the Twilight Zone episodes for the most part still hold up um mm-hmm. because with film it's better 
I don't know why. I am not a film scientist. I just know videotape, like, uh, what we use for VHS tape, like, deteriorates over time. Yeah, it deteriorates and, like, the quality just couldn't be as good as, like, straight up film. Mm -hmm. Like, you were gonna get, like, a lot more film grain. It was more, like, cost effective. But, like, I think we were pretty, like, probably using VHS tapes and not Betamax. Because Betamax could have gotten closer to, like, what he wanted. Right. Um, Betamax had higher quality. They were smaller. I don't understand why Betamax <laughs> didn't catch on in the United oh, States. Oh, God, I've got her started again, everybody. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, yeah, it's like film was going to have more of, like, a lasting quality to it. That's what he wanted. Yeah, the, the setup for that... Um, ended up limiting the scope of the storylines and, like, the scope of what they could capture with the shots. And they mm-hmm. only did it for six episodes because they were, like, even the network was disappointed in it. So the episodes from season two of 22, Static, The Whole Truth, The Lateness of the Hour, The Night of the Meek, and Long Distance Call are shot on videotape. Um, and you, if you're, like, watching them and, like, watching all of Twilight Zone, you can instantly tell, like, they were shot on, on videotape. Yeah. Um, versus film. Uh, film is easier to remaster for like a modern modern television sets. Exactly. And that's why like uh I don't own the Blu-ray remasters of Twilight Zone. I really want to. But I'm told mm-hmm. they look really good. Um because film. <laughs> it's just like it's yeah. it's like a very timeless thing to work with that is it's kinda it the way I the way I understand it, it's not exactly analog digital argument because like VHS, like, videotape film is still a- analog, in quotes, but it feels like mm-hmm. that sort of comparison. Yeah. Um, and the other thing is, so Rod Sterling sold his shares to CBS. Um, he did try and pitch to them a revival, like, shortly after it ended with season five. Um, mm-hmm. But they turned it down. They were just, like, unsure about getting a new series started, so they turned down him and Buck Ho- Houghton. Buck Horton is the other original producer on twilight zone um they also turned down a pitch from francis ford coppola really yeah which is that's that's a like i can understand turning on rod and buck because they're like listen rod you're gonna come in here and spend like an extra six thousand dollars to tell me about a rock or whatever like i understand what they're thinking is yeah that's that's fair but like francis ford coppola in this time period big deal yeah big 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 deal big deal uh, they didn't make the second series, like I said, until 1985, and it is, it's been well-received among, like, uh, Twilight Zone fans. Um, yeah, most of the series have been well-received, except the 2002 one. Um, it, it was, it, uh, Forrest Whitaker was a good narrator. Yeah, like, <laughs> they, they picked a very good narrator. Um, they, it felt like a cash grab. They did a lot of, like, yeah. adaptations of older episodes. Um, yeah. It has the only sequel episode to a Twilight Zone. What was that again? I know I know. Uh, it, but... It's Still a Good Life is a sequel to It's a Good Life, which is the creepy kid with, like, psychic powers. Kid. Yeah. Okay, that's what, I, that's what I thought. That's what my gut was telling me. Um, and that is, like, the only one that has a sequel. And also, uh, Twilight Zone is the only um, show, well, one of, one of the only shows to get three Hugo Awards for Best Dramatic Presentation. Um, it was the only show for the entirety of history until 2008 where Doctor Who tied it. Yeah, that was a good run for Doctor Who. Yeah. <laughs> well, what's what's wild to me, right, is, like, Twilight Zone did it as, like, one series. Like, between seasons one to five, they did that. 
Doctor Who got mm-hmm. them over the like I didn't research this, but my like, Doctor Who got them over the it wasn't like one Doctor Who like doctor or whatever. It was like yeah. over the course of all of Doctor Who. And I'm like I mean, yeah, I would hope like between whenever it started to two thousand eight they could get at least three <laughs> awards. <laughs> Yeah, because, like, Doctor Who's been running since, like, what, the 50s? Surely since the 60s, at least. Almost nonstop. Almost nonstop. Yeah. We had, like, a decade where it was dead. Yeah. But, yeah, hopefully. <laughs> um, Some other notable people that have written for Twilight Zone. Uh, Ray Bradbury has an episode uh, titled yeah. Icing the Body Electric, which is really good. Uh, there's also a script by Montgomery Pittman who was just a famous TV writer and director and actor at the time. Um, there are also some scripts by uh, another famous television writer at the time, Earl Henry Jr. Those are kind of like the people who weren't Rod writing scripts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's everyone. That's them. That, those are, there you go. Um, yeah, it's just like, I don't know. I feel like The Twilight Zone is well-beloved, but misunderstood sometimes, like a lot of things I bring up. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Cause Rod, like this wasn't his, like he, what am I trying to say? I feel like you can look at the entirety of Twilight Zone as a critique of like, not even just American society, but like what are humans doing together? Mm-hmm. Um, And I don't know, I guess it's been a lot on my mind. Like I said, like this year's just been very bizarre and I think, like, being able to do this, like, these almost 30 weeks now, Jesus, uh, has been, like, the. it's been, like, a very grounding thing to do this. Yeah. So, I'm just grateful to do it, and I like the Twilight Zone a lot, and so there's, I gave you a few facts, and we talked a lot at the beginning, and that's, that's, like, a lot, there you go, I filled the time. (laughs) (laughs) Well, really quick, before we do go... I think we should talk about uh, our favorite episodes. Yo, absolutely. I was that. Yeah, whoa, whoa. Think... That wasn't a sign off. That was that was me. <laughs> okay. That was me <laughs> pitching to whatever person that's going to at me on Twitter about like Twilight Zone, like we- really weird stuff I didn't bring up and be like, yes, I understand that they delayed King Nine Will Not Return in season two, <laughs> the 37th overall episode of Twilight Zone because the actors <laughs> got into a car crash and they thought it was bad taste. That's real. The episode King Nine will not return, which is in season two, episode one, the 37th overall episode of Twilight Zone was delayed in airing because the actors in it got into a car crash and they thought it'd be in bad taste. And that is like deep Twilight Zone web shit. You can't Google that. Yeah. That is like oral uh, history shit. If you try and Google Twilight I mean, Zone episode, Twilight Zone accident, you're going to get all the stuff about the movie. Yeah, because the movie is infamous and we might talk about this later yeah um that's on my list of movies like maybe it's cursed and maybe i shouldn't watch it uh i've watched it and i am not dead yet and let me find wood to knock on away from my mic (laughs) (laughs) that's right up there with like the exorcist yeah poltergeist yeah Um, what's your favorite twilight zone oh it's you know it's tricky um i really like and I'm not going to be good with episode titles because my brain can't retain That's that fine. information. There's the classic with, like, the guy on the plane. Everyone knows that one. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, William Shatner. William Shatner. Oh, William Shatner. And he's just hamming it up as he does. And so that's just, that's a fascinating performance just to watch. It doesn't scare me. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> um, but that's one that comes on. I'm just like, okay, 
yeah. Um, I'm kind of fond of that absolutely wild one with, like, the, the toys in the chest. And they're just oh, like, yeah. what the hell is happening? And, like, at the end, you really don't know what's happening. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot of Twilight Zone episodes. You're like, maybe I just don't know what this was about. Mm-hmm. But their conversations and, like, the mystery and, like, the the fear mm-hmm. is, like, very real. And uh, it's just, it's very bizarre, but it's really well written. Um, this, yeah, this is another one I hate. Ooh. Because I have a doll phobia. This is the one, is it Talking Tina? Yeah. Yeah, I yeah, just Yeah, <laughs> that one's messed up. I, I couldn't tell you, like, what that one says. (laughs) Yeah, I couldn't tell you what that says, like, that episode is trying to say, because I just can't. Yeah, it's, like, something about innocence of children. I don't know. Um, I really like one. There's one where uh, a guy is going to die. Uh, I forget what Mm -hmm. it's called. I only remember episode titles when it's, like, prevalent. So, like, I know the ones I want to talk about today. Mm -hmm. Um, But I really like one... I think it's my favorite, um, so maybe I should know its name. I don't know, but it's this guy and he's going to die. And Death comes to him, and Death is just like, yes, he's just like a dude. Like he's not like a grim. He's like, I'm Death, and he's like, where's your scythe? And he's like, oh, I don't really carry that. Like the guy's like, I'm listen, man, <laughs> I don't do that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and the guy's like, oh well, then- you can't kill me because of this. And Death's like, okay, I'll be back tomorrow. And he comes back tomorrow, and he's like, ah, but, uh, this little girl. And Duff's like, all right. Um, and then he tells Duff he can't die until he makes, like, the pitch of a century or something. Uh, Mm -hmm. and then he sees Duff, and he's like, oh, I haven't made a pitch. Like, the guy stops selling stuff. He's like, I've tricked Duff. I'll live forever. And the guy stops selling stuff, and then the little girl from earlier is going to die. Like, she catches mysterious 50s illness. 50s illness um and Def is here to take her and he's like oh you can't be here to take me he's like oh no she that little girl is uh super dead uh she dies tonight at like 6 15 or whatever um mm-hmm. and so the guy starts making a pitch to Def about watches or something like whatever it is he sells and he pitches to Def yeah. for like an obscenely long time like by the time he's done it's like nighttime and Def's missed his appointment and He's, like, tricked Death into not killing this girl because it gave humans long enough time to save her. Because mm-hmm. Death's like, she's gonna die, like, an hour before the doctor gets here or whatever. And now the doctor's here and she's saved. Yeah. Um, and Death's like, well, good job. And then, uh, like, they shake hands. And the guy looks, and, like, the guy looks back and his body's on the ground. And he's like, I really did it. Made the pitch of a cinch. Like, he, like, understands, like, he made his pitch, but he lost yeah. his bargain. Um, yeah. And then he, he asks Def, like, where he's going to go. And Def's like, oh, don't worry. You made it in up there. You can make some, and like, a joke about making pitches to Jesus or something. Uh, but I don't know. It's, like, really good because it gets to, like, this idea of, like, this guy's greed. And if it can outweigh his want to help people. Um, mm-hmm. And also this idea of, like, using what you got to help people. Like... This guy is clearly, he's, like, marketed as, like, he's not, like, a great dude and he can't do a lot, but he really likes kids. Um, yeah. And I don't know, I think that's, like, a good idea to just keep as, like, you all, like, you have a skill and, like, how can you use that skill to help the world move forward? Like, you don't have to be, like, a physicist or, like, working on a vaccine or something. Like, you have something you can do. Yeah, exactly. That one I like because, like, the scope feels 
both incredibly large because of like it's like a guy dealing with death in the end, mm-hmm. but it takes place in a very small space. Mm-hmm. So like the scope is kind of like zoomed into this one thing. Right. A lot of Twilight Zone episodes are like that, where it's like it's so the scope is small and it feels like it's just kind of like down to earth. I'd say mm-hmm. like does that make sense? Yeah, that make sense? no, that makes a lot okay. of sense because there are some. <laughs> yeah, because even when they do one where it's like we're on Mars or whatever, like it's like but it'll be like two astronauts on Mars dealing with like ah, shit, I'm stuck on Mars with this person forever now. Yeah. Um, And then they zoom out, and they're just, like, in the desert, and they just didn't go over the mountain or whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, There is a Twilight Zone episode uh, that won an Academy Award for Best Short Film. Was it? I'm going to guess. Um, Monsters are due on Maple Street. No, it is an occurrence Damn. at Owl Creek Bridge, was it was, which was a 1962... Oh. French-produced short film, and then modified for broadcast with The Twilight Zone, and it won the Academy okay, Award. Here's, here's a weird thing about that. I have not seen that one. I read it in high school. Oh, well, there you go. We had to read it. Yeah, we had to read that and Monsters Are Due at Maple Street. Oh. Due on Maple Street. Yeah, in high Rod school. Sterling routinely adapted um, existing books and plays and short stories, and because he was like, he's, everyone, Rod Sterling was a fucking nerd. Yeah, God, what a... He's a f- <laughs> fucking book-reading nerd. nerd. Just a nerd. Yeah. Um, I tried to find out, like, how many books he... Like, he seems like that kind of person. Like, I read 80 books a month, you know? And I couldn't find anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I'll just assume he read 100 books every day. <laughs> we'll have a seance, and we'll be like, okay, Rod. Hey, that's... How hey, many books? Hey, that's how, we, that's how we end up in the fucking Twilight Zone. Hey, He's no. like, ah, you fools. <laughs> 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 this is what I wanted. Um, <laughs> Definitely sells. <laughs> I'm back from the grave for my royalties. <laughs> Give them to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, I think it's um, interesting even around the cancellation of Twilight Zone because... Some people said CBS just said to cancel it, but Rod Sterling always told people he decided to cancel the network. Um, he always tells people he was just, like, pretty burnt out and done with what they wanted. Uh, mm-hmm. And ABC asked him about bringing Twilight Zone over to them once when it first got canceled and he was still interested in making stuff. Uh, yeah. But they wanted to bring it over as witches, warlocks, and werewolves. But um, Werewolves? Yeah. <laughs> This is this is like 1964, everybody. Like werewolves are not like hot and sexy at this point. No, these are like just fuzzy, fuzzy people <laughs> um, with teeth. But he said to that the network executives seem to prefer weekly ghouls, and we have what appears to be a considerable difference in opinion. I don't mind my show being supernatural, but I don't want to be booked into a graveyard every week. Uh, yeah, I feel like um, Twilight Zone is more sci-fi yeah. than like supernatural horror there's like one where a guy lets out evil into the world uh that feels very um i know that's not the one that uh what's his face wrote but it feels very um what's that guy's name you know him. you love him he's he wrote big bird wrote the ho- halloween tree uh, mr halloween himself the crypt keeper we mentioned him earlier uh, uh ray, ray bradbury <laughs> That feels very Ray Bradbury because I've read Something Wicked This Way Comes mm-hmm. a lot. 
is very up his alley. Yeah, and I mean, like, listen, listen, everyone, when I was a kid, I thought Ray Bradbury and Rod Sterling were the same person. They have the same vibe. They're like two sides of the same coin, the horror coin, but one is supernatural horror and the other one is sci-fi Like, for the longest time growing up, like, in my head, when I thought Ray Bradbury, I saw Rod Sterling's face. Yeah. Um, to this day, I don't know what Ray Bradbury looks like. I have no idea if they even look similar. I assume... I'm looking it up. <laughs> <laughs> it's also hard, because, like, every picture you see of Rod Sterling, it's, like, him in Twilight Zone. Like, he... Like, I've never seen a picture of him, like, in color. Because, like, there was color film. <laughs> like, there are pictures of him yeah. in color, I'm sure. They look nothing alike. <laughs> I'll keep the fantasy up in my head. Um, but yeah, that one's kind of supernatural. It's like a dude in a castle, and there's like a guy that's like complaining about being tortured, and the people at the castle won't tell him what's up. And then he lets him out, and the person was like the personification of all evil or whatever. Ah, so Reddit. <laughs> And then I think the thing is, like, uh, then that guy is now tasked with finding the evil and putting it back, and there's, I think, I haven't seen that one in, like, three or four years, but I'm pretty sure they do something like the date is, like, the day before Pearl Harbor or something. Oh my god. Um, and then the ending narration is about, like, how man will always bring evil back on itself or something. I don't know. Rod Sterling was like, you guys fucking did it to yourself. Deal with it. (laughs) Every, like, every episode. (laughs) Every single, it's like, how do you keep coming up with different concepts to tell me the same thing? <laughs> Rod Sterling every week on Twilight Zone is, ah, oh, it's probably your fucking fault, though. <laughs> Humanity just does shit to themselves. Every, every time. Every time. Which we could say, we did that this year. <laughs> every time. Again, every time. He knew. <laughs> Stay in your house and wear a mask. Fuck you. Okay. <laughs> Should be easy. It's not. Rod Sterling would have known. <laughs> um, I did some raw math, everyone. Uh, by season one and two, Rod Sterling had contributed 73% of the show's total output in scripts. Oh, 73 He did 70% of season one and season two scripts. And by that point, I didn't count many episodes. Like, I didn't keep the math of how many episodes that. So season one had 36 episodes, and season two had 29 episodes. That's, like, over 80, right? Yeah, that's a lot. (laughs) I average one fanfiction chapter a month. Hey, get on Rod Sterling's (laughs) level. All you have to do, I assume, is smoke four cartons of cigarettes a day. (laughs) Okay, one second, let me write this down. And just be, like, completely wired on nicotine. Sound of me writing. <laughs> is that how you? Oh wait, wait it's me... right. It's no. You. It's this is the Rod Sterling method. You need like a typewriter. Oh yes. <laughs> Let me give me a second. Let's get some ASMR in here. I don't have a typewriter, but I have the next best thing. Give me a second. I have to find a document I can type on that isn't my resume. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll we'll use my um art history paper. Amazing. Is that some good ASMR? No, there? that's really good. Yeah, that's perfect. Okay. The, All right, we're done with that. The thing. levels will love that. <laughs> it looks beautiful <laughs> in the capture. <laughs> um, and to demonstrate like how young, I know he said he died when he was fifty, which is pretty young. By season yeah. three, he was only thirty-six. My God. Um, 
I don't know of a showrunner for a live action show at the scope of Twilight Zone that is under 40. Yeah, I feel like TV's very old. Yeah, I don't, like, what, uh, if you're in animation, you might get to be, like, a 30-something, maybe. Uh, yeah. If you are under 20, I, I'm pretty sure they tell you to go change your fucking diaper. I have no idea what they do. <laughs> <laughs> They're just like, oh, you're actually just an intern. Yeah, I have, like, a friend that's been trying to get into, like, helping produce movies and content. She worked for Tribeca Films, everybody, for And she can't years. get a job? No! no. <laughs> what the hell? I'm, this is a shit show. I, I hate this industry. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I'm so excited that... I hope it's changing. I hope that part's changing. Because we get... I, we haven't talked about it in a while, but uh, set photos came out of the Miss Marvel show. Um, mm-hmm. And she's a teen. And she's she, a teen. Listen, she looks like a fucking goober, and I'm so excited. As it should be, because, have, like, teens, that's what they yeah, look like. Yeah, I don't like. know if you've seen a real teen in everyone in the last, like, decade. TikTok teens don't count. No. I don't know if you've seen a real teen in the last decade, everybody, since Hollywood decided we were going to make teens hot 20-somethings and just do really gross stuff with teen, end quote. Um, I'm looking at you, Riverdale. Hey, Riverdale. What the hey, fuck? Riverdale. Hey, hey, Sabrina, the Netflix show. Yeah, what? There's like, Excuse there's like an me. orgy scene. Yeah, that's a lot, and I'm 29. Yeah, I was like, like, <laughs> like I remember watching it right, and like I know the actors are like adults, and so I remember thinking like, wow, they're all so hot. And then like, I think talking to you about it like this year, Brenda, I was like, whoa, wait, they're supposed to be like 15 or whatever, right? <laughs> yeah, and it's like, oh. Oh, beans. Like. Oh, boy. They are very sexually active teen, teens. And listen, that's fine. Listen. <laughs> hey, if there's a teen listening, I hope you have good parental guidance for your growth as an adult. I do. But the <laughs> teens in Sabrina are very sexually active. Yeah, it's like, calm down. It's, you have plenty of time to do this later. And it's not even treated as like a thing to be nervous about. They're just like, oh, yeah, I've been fucking since I was 12. Jeez. <laughs> anyway yeah rod sterling was like i said it at the top like the angry young man of hollywood like he was he was like decidedly young but to be to be running a cbs show i can't could you imagine brenda a cbs running a cbs show at our age yeah could you imagine a cb any show now and the showrunner comes out and it's like a big live action production they're like i am 30 (laughs) it would be like a big deal it would be like who has that 30 under 30 list where they're just like, ah, yes, they have their own show and be like, whoa, what? Yeah, I, their own show. That doesn't, like, that can happen in other industries, everyone. Like, TV, even film, like, that can happen in film. TV is, like, an old man sport, and I don't know what it is. Yeah. And whenever, like, someone in film is, like, that young, they're always shit. Yeah. No offense. <laughs> yes, offense. <laughs> God. Uh... That's yeah. that is like some of Twilight Zone. I make no promises we won't come back at some point. There's like, think, oh, you know what? Let's talk about the movie. Yeah, I think we should. I think this is a good stopping point for today because the turkey will be done. Soon. Yeah, um, it's actually Thanksgiving. It's, I don't know if we said it's that, Thanksgiving. This is really this, it's think it's literally Thanksgiving Day for us right now. <laughs> the turkey is upstairs waiting for me to shove it into my mouth whole. <laughs> This Brenda is a feat is... <laughs> that I do once a year, which I unhinge my jaw like a snake and swallow a turkey whole. <laughs> if you all, if you all are good, next year, uh, 
then maybe I can be in person to see this feat with Brenda. To witness this. Now, we can't tape it because that goes against the pact that I signed <laughs> with God. <laughs> and listen, you don't, if she breaks that pact, uh, Brenda will return to her true form, which is a planet sized galaxy devouring <laughs> snake. Yeah, so watch out. <laughs> Um, and we really don't want that. So yeah, we'll, we'll probably go to the movies and do Twilight Zone, the movie with, I don't know, something else weird. Yeah, maybe we will. Um, and then I have one more piece of news before we go. We're going to be closing the gap between episodes. We will. So this is, it'll be, yeah. Me and Brenda have December off everybody. So you'll be listening to episodes and be like, this episode is good. And I'm like, don't fucking talk to me about recording. I'm on vacation. <laughs> yeah. Be like, we're not doing like episodes for you are still going to be coming out. But for us, we're going to be on a December long vacation in which we just don't do anything. Which is so maybe research. <laughs> hey, a which, little bit. What, what's incredible is they're listening to this at the end of the vacation. <laughs> Things aren't gonna change for you, but just know next time you see us, we might things might be very different. Do you want to quickly manifest some things that we want to have happened in the new year? Uh, in the new year, uh, I think we try and get our first guest. Yes, um, Brian David Gilbert. If you're listening, which you're not, but if you are or someone you know is, we would very much like to meet you. This invitation also extends to the McElroys. All of them. Lit- in any listen if you're hey McElroy's if your kids feel like getting on a podcast for the first time <laughs> bring them I know you, uh, listen I know it's private I know you don't have, have them on the show I'm not saying you have to I'm just saying if they <laughs> if they are listening and feel like it they are welcome I won't swear <laughs> I'll talk to your wives also like Sydney would love to talk to Sydney that'd be great or any extended Rachel, family Teresa I think sorry if <laughs> Travis, your wife is not named <laughs> Teresa. Oops. Um, what other things do we... I had a whole list in my head because I was going to do this bit. And I told myself I would not forget. <laughs> but, um, you know... We won't, hey, I want, when we are getting set up to record, we won't forget an episode number. We won't forget the episode numbers ever again. Ever. I, I ever. cannot wait when we come back to doing this, Brenda, for us in like five weeks and we were like what the fuck are, what's our episode number <laughs> what is it? um i'm gonna manifest that uh the 24th conan movie which was supposed to be released in april will be released before april of 2021 i i want to manifest uh one i would like to be able to give you brenda exactly one hug please <gasps> yes one hug that's all that's all if, we want if i could do that that would be incredible um what else Christmas wish. Uh, uh maybe maybe someone wants to pay us to run an ad <gasps> yes a sponsorship i mean hey you listening do you got money do you want an ad i'm just saying uh yeah I, we'll, do, we'll it. do it it's it is easy as giving us money i don't even know how much yes. i might do it for a dollar <laughs> i don't know what i'm worth <laughs> I, how much do people charge for podcast ads? That much. That much. Um, McElroy numbers. Yeah. You, you just send me a check that says McElroy numbers. Casper, send me a mattress. I'll review it. I'll even keep <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. Hey, Finney. Casper, send me, 
Send me mattress. Send Brenda a mattress. Send me a dog mattress. Yes. Opal deserves luxury. I can't believe they make luxury dog mattresses. I was just thinking about that today. I was just like, wow. <laughs> There's someone's dog who's sleeping better than I am. Not, I know. not that they don't deserve it, okay? Don't, I don't need someone to at me that Austin hates dogs. It's just like, <laughs> they're also people we let sleep outside. So, chill so, out. <laughs> yeah. You know. All right. I think we've got to go. Mm. Well, uh, happy Thanksgiving to you, Brenda. And happy New Year's to everyone else. Happy New Year's to everyone else. Hopefully 2021 is better for everyone. See, oh, I would oh. like to manifest. We, we we get another stimulus check. That would be dope. I hope by the time you listen to this, cry. everyone, we've gotten two more stimulus checks already. Two. Or $600 a week for people on unemployment. That would be radical. Um, Please. Yeah, I hope. Every, uh, you know what, Brenda? This has been yeah. a, this th- doing this this year. It's been good. This has been really nice. Yeah, I think we've become stronger and unstoppable as friends. Yeah, no, nothing can stop us. Uh, nothing. But we'll we'll see y'all in the new year with something cool because it'll be Brenda's turn and she's really good at this. <laughs> I have a big idea. Oh fuck! Oh, Goodbye, see everyone. everybody. <laughs> Thank you everyone for listening to this episode of Secret Histories of Nerd Mysteries. Our music was provided by Esperanza Garay Negron, and you can find their music on Bandcamp at knifenun.bandcamp.com. Our introduction was voiced by Cafe 3G. You can find him under that handle on Twitter and Instagram. This podcast is a part of the Nacellecast Podcast Network. You can find us at Nerd Mysteries on Twitter. The show is edited and produced every week by the amazing host Brenda. And as a reminder, please, please, please... For listening to the podcast, throw us a five-star review. Helps the show out a lot. Tell a friend about the show. And until next time, historians, see ya.